0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for August 8, 2021, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by Dr. Charles A. Gillespie. It's based on John, chapter 6, verses 35 and 41 through 51. I'm a college professor, so I simply love when Scripture raises far more questions than provides easy answers. Our Gospel lesson from St. John today is stuffed with theological puzzles. In fact, this passage is one of my absolute favorites precisely because it is so complicated, confounding, sticky with meaning for us. One of the greatest gifts of the Christian tradition, in my opinion, is that our God invites us to ponder mysteries that are too wonderful to understand. So what could Jesus possibly mean when he says that he is the living bread that came down from heaven. I mean, what exactly is living bread, anyway? My beloved friend, Dr. Jewel Bickle, preached powerfully last week about the bread of life that lasts, about how God is eternal and dependable, even though we tend to put our energy into things of this world that are going to pass away. Jesus continues that theme of the bread of life in our gospel passage today. But I'm caught up short by this phrase, this idea that Jesus uses when he says, I am living bread. Now, do you like it when your bread comes alive? I don't know about you, but I certainly don't. Just the other day, I opened a Tupperware container in my kitchen, and I discovered a pile of delicious, homemade sourdough focaccia bread that had become all fuzzy and moldy and green. It was, well, disappointing. I think I might have some unrealistic expectations about bread storage. This happens to me with alarming frequency. I once saved a pretzel for a special occasion, but I wind up sharing it with a bunch of spores. I mean, mold is delicious in blue cheese, but not fluffy pita. In fact, I live with a kind of constant horror that I'm going to discover a deleted scene from the film Night of the Living Bread in my pantry. It's alive! I think we can safely assume that living bread from heaven will be neither spoiled nor stale. Living bread will be more than just a sourdough starter because eternal life has no expiration date. I wonder, actually, if Jesus was being a little bit provocative, perhaps a little bit playful, When he described himself as living bread come down from heaven. I doubt he appeared particularly doughy that day. But we know that Jesus was a master storyteller and a great teacher. And good storytellers and good teachers know how to break apart our expectations. Sometimes, when I'm teaching, I like to make a big deal about certain things. I sort of lean forward and look over the top of my glasses, especially on Zoom. You need some sort of pedagogical gesture. All teaching comes from the core, You know, you have to engage the abdominal muscles. And so the gospel raises some really big questions that we don't have any correct answers for. How do we imagine living bread? Not just a free lunch like manna in the wilderness, no, but a living bread that transforms our lives. Have I encountered living bread lately? Do we allow our categories? to be inspired or surprised by God's infinite grace and mercy? What do we mean when we talk about eternal life and our ever-living God? What does it mean to receive this invitation today to see our risen Lord as living bread? Who are we going to meet when we encounter the body of Christ, the bread of heaven? These questions get at something central to our faith as Christians. We have a right, even a duty, to delight in childlike wonder at our living bread. And that's because theological mysteries, they can't be fully explained. Theological mysteries are more than ordinary logic puzzles because God is not some ordinary thing among other ordinary things in the world. We can't understand the mystery of the Holy Trinity using the Pythagorean theorem like a triangle. The second law of thermodynamics is not going to tell us why the fire of the Holy Spirit doesn't dissipate. And for those who aren't sure what these mathematical references mean, don't worry, you are not alone. I had to look them up on Wikipedia this morning to make sure that my jokes made sense. We know how this works, actually. An idea doesn't have to be fully explainable in order to be true or worth believing. I happen to think that's just how love works. We know that love is real and reasonable, but I dare you to try and explain why you truly love someone using an equation. The truth touches us where our mind and heart sing in harmony with God's love. Like I told you, all teaching about our faith comes from the core, but this time it's the Latin C-O-R, core, meaning heart. There's a lot that's strange and mysterious in this passage from the Gospel. In fact, it's one of my favorites precisely because it gives us so many ideas to chew on and digest. Jesus explains that there is a consequential relationship between his body that is both living bread and sacrificed for the life of the world. We learn to understand Jesus' relationship to God, and it means that we need to contemplate the relationship between an unseen father and the visible one who's sent to us in the world. And topical for us today, actually, there are two supply chains in today's gospel selection. There's the bread line, the way that we learn that Jesus is living bread sent from heaven, but then there's another equally interesting one about families and ancestry, and what we expect of one another based on what we already know. You see, the joy of our Christian life together, I think, is that when we tell these stories about God that we record in the gospel, we get to call it good news. That's just what gospel means, right? It's good news for the poor and the outcast and the suffering and the lost and the forsaken. Because the drama of salvation is a comedy. It's not a tragedy. So even in the midst of our fear and anxiety and uncertainty, Jesus is bringing us good news about living bread from heaven right now, today, for each of us. How so? Jesus tells us today that no one can come to the one that he calls Father except through him. To put this in the technical language of theology, Jesus tells us that he reveals God to us. By coming to know Jesus, we come to know God. Because in the mystery of the Trinity, we have been taught by God to know that Jesus' words and mission have a divine meaning and a heavenly origin. The living bread truly comes from heaven, from the presence of God. Jesus shows us what God's infinite love looks like in a way we can see and understand, in a way we can question and digest, even if we'll never be able to fully explain it away. But that might not be too obvious. In fact, it's not supposed to be obvious at all. We cannot get there on our own. We need God's help. Jesus told us today, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. Drawn by the Father who sends. Jesus seems to say that our very desire for God is from God. Our yearning, our longing, our confusion, our hope to see and know God, these are actually holy and wonderful things, not deficiencies. It would be hard to be drawn toward something we already have. Jesus makes room for our questions, our doubts, our longing, our confusion, our curiosity. Because we aren't told in this gospel lesson that we're supposed to become experts, we're promised that when we feel pulled or drawn toward Jesus, that's God drawing us near to the one that God sent. But notice that. We are drawn to the one that God has sent for us. Even our movement toward Jesus, our desire to know a little bit more about him, to try and understand just a little bit more about how this good news is good, that's a part of God's drawing us into a life of love. St. Paul talks about our communal life of love in our second lesson today. Speaking the truth and loving? It's not easy. St. Paul's got some shockingly good advice, and it's a bit of a kick in the pants. He asks us to put aside bitterness and forgive as Christ forgives us. But this is a much bigger ask than it seems at first, because it's not about expecting that we get to be forgiven when we make a mistake, or anticipating that truth-telling is always going to be a fun process that leaves us with warm and fuzzy feelings. It's certainly not a lesson from St. Paul about obliging others to forgive us, no. Paul is challenging us to discern the difference between our own self-centered grumpiness and an authentic anger at injustice. We surely need to confront evil in our world with great love, but it's much harder to love someone else when we're only serving our own interests. And that lesson ends with such a rich phrase, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god that giving of sacrifice connects to the theme of sending that is all over the sixth chapter from saint john's gospel sending is the wider context about what jesus is talking about when he says that he is the living bread sent from heaven jesus was sent to us by god this son of god was sent by god the father surely a different sort of beloved son from the one we heard about in our first lesson about King David's son Absalom. But we know that this Jesus too will be caught between heaven and earth on a tree. You see, our living bread also had a mission. One of the theologians I study is rather obsessed with this theme of sending and of mission. And he tells us that the roles we play in life become our own missions too. We discover who we are by living into who God sends us to be. And our model for understanding how this works is Jesus, our living bread, the one sent down from heaven directly by God. How do we know that, though? Because this whole reading circulates around the confusing fact that living bread looks like a carpenter's son we know from down the block. That's what makes today's lesson from the gospel such wonderful good news. Jesus both appears to us like a son of Joseph and Mary, a member of the house of David, a human being with human and Jewish flesh. But, and at the very same time, Jesus tells us that he is living bread, the one who teaches us how to see the living God. Through him, with him, and in him, we today can begin to recognize what infinite love and divine love looks like. We still need Jesus to be our gift of living bread, a gift sent down from heaven that not only sustains our body, but opens our imagination to the glorious life God desires for us and for the world. As our living bread says, no one can come to the Father except the... no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. This living bread came down from heaven to help satisfy our hunger to see, to know and to love God. This living bread comes down from heaven today to slake our thirst for an infinite love in whom we believe and belong. So let's be living bread for the world, imitating Christ not for our own sake, but as our own sacrifice of praise. Maybe then we won't be disappointed to find living bread after all. Amen. Find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.